Ladies and gentlemen, here is the latest bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. Step into the this is Macabre Grimoire with Airy Show, Travis Nye, and Robert Maley. Welcome to Macabre Grimoire, Chapter 11, The Flathead Monster. Flathead? I don't know. What are we calling it? The Flatwoods Monster. Flatwoods. Ah! Can we do that again? (laughs) I say just roll with it. We're rolling with it. Flathead Monster. But I've been doing, I've been like, so is it the Braxton County Monster or is it the Flatwoods Monster? So it's just like I've been having to like research both because some stuff is underneath one name and some stuff is under the other name. Which now, they just make up their minds. While we're clarifying Flatwood and not <coughs> Flathead. Yeah. Uh, where is Flatwood? Because I looked it up because I want to know. But there's like a Kentucky and Alabama, Tennessee. West Virginia. West Virginia was the next one. Yep. Yep. All right. Cool. So uh, I believe not that far from uh, the infamous uh, Mothman's stomping grounds, which is another thing that we will cover. Bing. Uh. I, the only reason I brought that up is because I was, I was researching this afternoon. Uh, there was a holy crap load of pit images of people shipping the uh, the Braxton County monster with the Mothman. Like, seriously, like as a cute anime couple and like, here they are, like an adorable little Aww. adventures together and Mothman's playing a guitar and the Braxton County monster's dancing and you know, it's cute. It's super cute. So yeah, that's why. Oh, that, there they are again. That's that's why it came up. It seems to be a recurring theme because they're kind of from a similar area and both like super famous cryptids from. Oh, that where are you from, Flatwood? <coughs> <coughs> Come here often. <laughs> Only when I'm here to steal people's dreams. All right, I'll see you later. Got <laughs> <laughs> some bridges to collapse. Anyway, we should give people an idea of what we're talking about here. Uh, let's see. In 1952, five children were playing football in a small town called, f- appropriately enough, Flatwoods, West Virginia, uh, when a strange object appeared above them. Streaking across the sky, they watched it crest a nearby hill, uh, slowly, and then descend just over the top of the ridge. What followed after their sighting has become one of the most infamous local legends ever recorded. That night, seven area residents encountered a hovering mechanical monstrosity that was described in an, by an area newspaper as glowing, Frankenstein-like, and breathing fire. The event helped shape the, uh, shepherd in the 50s obsession with flying saucers and alien life forms, and the green monster, now the name given to the creature, uh, has become a pop culture figure for decades now. I really feel like uh, the video that we just watched talking about how the boys went up there and then the mom and all these things is really uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog episode. 
It really feels like that. Yeah. Like that that dog was totally like courage trying to be like, stay away, there's a giant <laughs> robot. Yeah, oh, exactly. Oh, I see. Like I literally looked it up to see if there's any reference to that in a courage episode because it it feels like it. It's I've very... actually never seen that to cartoon. And I like cartoons. Oh, it was like that. It was good. Yeah. yeah. It okay. was very good. It was good stuff. It was kind of the the early golden era for Cartoon Network when it was just beginning like its first renaissance. Gotcha. It's like a really good Scooby Doo. Like it's a really good horror cartoon. Oh, I didn't even re- I would probably be into that. Yeah. So let's see. So it's that night at seven <clears throat> fifteen PM on September twelfth, nineteen fifty two, two brothers, Edward and Fred May. And their friend, Tommy Hayer, who was 18, said they saw a bright object in the sky across the land from the property of a local farmer named Fisher. The boys went to the home of Kathleen May, who who they told their story to. May, being the most responsible adult I've ever heard, uh, accompanied the three boys and a bunch of local children, uh, Neil Nunley and Ronnie Shaver. It sounds like... They were like, it looked, my probably looked like they're going on a walk, and the other kids like, "Hey, what you doing, Mrs. May? Oh, and we're gonna go check out this thing on the hill." That's what it is. Can isn't I come it's with? A, it's yeah, a Leave sure. It to Beaver fifties yeah. thing where they're like, "Oh, they're going for a walk. I'll go for a walk with them too." Mom, I'm going for a walk. Okay, just be back. And, <laughs> and also accompanied by a national guardsman, and I'm just uh, named Eugene Lemon. I'm just like. So, like, where the fuck did he come from? Was he just, like... He was also around to investigate the plane crash. Everybody just wanders around in September? It really has got a Scooby-Doo vibe yeah. going on right now. It's just like, man, there's so many people who just randomly hang out at this abandoned amusement park. It's just... <laughs> it's just so bizarre. Uh. So, when our motley crew of random characters... Which, by the way, why is Eugene Lemon not with them when... Uh, when they see the machine, or is he? I, I, because he would have got away with it if it wasn't for you and your pesky podcast yeah. crew. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he is, because it, it doesn't really say that he's actually witnessing With, it. Yeah, it's not listed as a witness of the actual and honestly, thing. National- so literally, the National Guardsmen let the, chill, the, the small boys and the woman go, you know, not to be sexist, but it's the 50s. The woman in a dress and the, you know, adolescent boys go investigate the glowing object that, for all he knew, could be like a KGB time delay bomb or... Well, it was his... He was off that weekend because National Guard only goes on like one weekend a month. Two weeks a year. Oh, yeah. There you go. So that's probably why. He was like, you know, I mean, I am National Guard. That is a pretty cruel joke post 9-11. You know that. I know. I'm terrible. Just... Kick me out now. No, you're 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 <laughs> fine. I just I think of all my friends and family in the National Guard, and I'm just gonna like one week a month, two weeks a week here. <laughs> I have a cousin that's in the National Guard, so I'm like You're familiar with the familiar. with the sarcasm going yes, on there. Yes. So okay. Well might as well get back to the sponsor here. So they went to the Fisher Farm to locate whatever it was that the boys had seen. The group reached the top of the hill where Nunley said they saw a pulsing red light. Lemon said they aimed a flashlight in the direction and momentarily saw a tall, man-like figure. Oh, Lemon was there. He was the National Guard guy. He was Because oh, okay. it says Lemon, he aimed the flashlight. Okay, so yeah. he was there. So wait, he, like, so he ran because he could, like, outrun the boys. So the Because bo- we see all these images in the artwork of, like, screaming little boys running away from the monster. And he's depicted in none of this. Yeah, and the National Guard guy is depicted in none of this. So, so is you just the better runner? I think that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Are, do alien attacks work like a bear attack? You don't have to be the fastest person. You just have to be the fastest person in your group. That's right, <laughs> it's true. yeah. That's true. 
Not the slowest. I also find it disturbing how uh, equally all three of us were just like, yeah, that's totally the case. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 Case bear solved. A bear attacks this podcast crew. Rob is screwed. Yep. <laughs> I don't anyway. know, man. I'm no, no, slow. believe me. I'm not, I can run slower than you. I'm not really slow, but I'm easily distracted. I might stop and check something out. So you could be good. You have, a chance. you have a chance. I, I got a chance. Keep we'll, your eye we'll on the prize. But here's the thing that's interesting, though, is that when you're telling the story, you're you first hear there's several boy, young boys outside playing, and then they get their mom, and then the mom, as they're walking to this location, Let's get to National picks Guard. up some hitchhiking little other boys in the neighborhood, and it's almost like an afterthought of hearing that oh, there's a neighbor who's also in the National Guard, and he comes along, so you kind of forget. That he's there because all you see in your mind's eye, thanks to like maybe movies or whatever, is like this pack of boys and the mom. Like you kind of forget that there's also another like adult. You go yeah. ahead and let the boys go, Miss May. How are you doing? That's <laughs> what it is. So, anyways, okay, keep going. So, uh, descriptions varied. In an article from Fate magazine based on his tape recorded interviews, which I listened to this interview, by the way. Oh. Uh, and so. This Gary Barker that recorded these interviews was very uh, adamant that he believed the boys. Just mm. thro- throwing that out there, but and he sounded genuine. But obviously, you know, he writes for Fate magazine. He might be a little biased towards like UFO stuff. But True. but you know, he seemed sincere, and yet there's something to be said for that. So they described a figure approximately ten feet tall with a round, blood red face and a large pointed hood like shape around the face. Eyes like shapes which emit uh, eye like shapes which emitted a greenish orange light and a dark black and green or green body. Kathleen May described the figure as having small claw like hands. See, yeah, and we just saw a video where they're just like, well, there are no arms. Maybe there were antenna, right. but so maybe just hands, like literally like the five fingers of hands, not yeah, like right. arms to support them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, eye shapes. Kathleen described the small hand. Yeah. Uh, clothing like folds. Basically, she said that like the skirting mm-hmm. of it was kind of like pleated, but it's just kind of like maybe it's just like the metal is just styled in that shape. I mean, who knows how aliens shape how aliens shape their killbots? Because I mean, you get the nineteen fifty one model, and then they come out with the fifty two that's got the pleated like yeah. skirt. It's a completely like, different body style. And, like and, yeah, and now and now my nineteen fifty killbot from the Tar- Targaryen, you know, nebula. The rivets totally, don't even line up. Totally looks like shit. Yeah. You know, it's a, it looks like a piece of shit. It's kind of like with appliances where they switch from, like, white is in and then black is in, so immediately all your white appliances look like shit. Yes. Yeah. I don't even 90s. know what to do with the stainless steel <laughs> stuff I have anymore. Yeah, I mean, it just... It, and then you, like, throw away all your chrome kill bots, and then that comes back hardcore in the 60s, and it's like, fuck. You know, I should have kept them. Should have kept the... Ki- oh. But I only have so much room to store kill bots in my flying saucers. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah... So, according to the story, the figure made a hissing noise and glided toward the group. Lemon screamed and dropped... Okay, here Here we go. go. Lemon screamed and dropped his flashlight, causing the group to run away. So, he basically spooked their group (laughs) into running away. So, the National Guardsmen scared the women and children (laughs) into running and then outran the women and children getting out of the the forest with the big alien monster. Not gonna lie, I have caused other people to freak out based on my own freak out. So I can understand that. kind of gives credence to the whole hysteria thing. Yes, yes. I see a very Forrest Gump style run with him. 
Yeah. <laughs> With his like fingers even doing the like yeah. crossing thing on his body as he runs. Yeah. I gotta find Jenny. Yeah. Save her from the alien. <laughs> uh, let's see. The group had smelled a pungent mist, which I apologize for that. No. Uh, sometime later, they said, and they were nauseated. The local sheriff and deputy that had been investigating reports of the crashed aircraft in the area uh, searched the spot where the monster had been, and they saw, heard, or smelled nothing. According to Baker's account, the next day, A. Lee Stewart Jr. Uh, of the Braxton Democrat claimed to have discovered skid marks in the field. and That's uh, part of that pungent smell. Yes. And in the field, there was a old gummy deposit, which were subsequently attributed by UFO enthusiast groups as evidence of the saucer landing. Uh, now, this this description I have kind of breezes over what uh, the video we just watched in preparation for this. That's right. We watch a 10-minute YouTube video, and that's our research. No, we do a little more than that. Uh, but no, they talked a lot more about the... Because they're kind of blowing off the smell thing. Yeah. But it, actually, the smell thing is quite dramatic in that... They basically got mustard gasps where their like throats swelled shut and some of the boys couldn't drink water and they were taken to the hospital and that's what the doctor thought as that they were exposed to like mustard or chlorine gas. Mm-hmm. Cuz like one of the guys, one of the the 18-year-old, he got violently ill. Yeah. From the whole ordeal. So it's not just like, "Oh, a little bit of upset stomach." No, this is like they got sick. And then uh Kathleen May, it, they mentioned in the video that she gets squirted with what oil. We ho- what we hope is oil and not like <laughs> alien semen or something, but you know, uh, yeah. It's, well, I want to know. Like, they probably didn't even like analyze her dress or anything like that. It was probably just like, ah, she'll clean it. She's a housewife. Well, didn't they found some of the oil and they sent it to the yeah. air force, and then the air force was like, it eh. nothing. <laughs> they didn't even reply. They just yeah. like never got back. We'll get back to you. We'll get yeah, back to you on we'll that. Get back to you. Checks in the mail. Yeah. Checks much. in the mail. <laughs> Pretty much. Which this ties in a little bit with uh, something I mentioned. We're going to do a whole episode just on the year 1952 <laughs> and how it's such a bellwether for UFOs. But uh, yeah, because there's a lot to cover to unpack here. But 52, the summer that because this takes place in September, but the summer of that year was the year that UFOs were just scrambling over Washington D.C. like crazy, like six to ten sightings a night. And jet fighters being scrambled out of Delaware and Dallas Air Force Base and uh, chasing them around and lots of, like, confirmed radar sightings and then, like, glowing objects over the runways at Washington, you know, around Washington, D.C. It was a huge summer for UFOs. And one of the big consequences, and it might explain why the Air Force never got back to them and stuff like that, is this was kind of the beginnings of the the UFO craze. And I believe Project Blue Book was going on at this time. Mm -hmm. And basically, between the Washington, D.C. thing and then this guy, this creature, uh, the government kind of... Here's, here's where they're at. Uh, they they kind of got the idea, the, the CIA and Project Blue Book and others, that maybe this is all supposed to generate hysteria. Because mm-hmm. if you're a foreign government and you're looking at ways to, you know, cover up an invasion or move around, you know, do some clandestine shit... Uh, a great way with Americans, apparently, after the War of the Worlds broadcast, would be they're really, really jumpy about the whole alien invasion thing. And aliens are so hot right now, oh, is, yeah. what, is what some KGB officer would say back then, mm-hmm. in perfect English for some reason. And, uh, yeah, 
so their their thinking is well this could be a this could be a Soviet plot to create panic and confusion and mistrust and blah 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 hysteria mm-hmm. it's going to create panic in the United States so the Air Force they changed the directive of Project Blue Book and everybody in the Air Force that was involved in like touching anything with UFOs was only talk about the the incidents and comment on incidents that you can debunk uh, and don't at all talk about ones you can't debunk and debunk the ones you can debunk as quickly as possible. Oh, jeez. And so basically, you know, and I think that's where some of the ideas of, like, a, a cover-up come from, is the whole just, like, total shutdown of information. It's just like, well, were they covering stuff up, or where were they, like, trying to suppress what they thought was developing mass hysteria? Right, right. Which is interesting, because it's almost like they didn't have some psychology professors helping them or something, explaining that actually like being all fucking creepy and shutting down everything about it and being all hush hush and telling people not to talk about it uh disturbs more conspiracy shit like yes. okay you're clearly covering shit up it's like so there there you go it's like you know your men in black stories and stuff like that it's like was it a government agent telling someone you know it's like don't you know talk about ufos is that is it actually an official who was really saying that? But it was more because that was their instruction to just blanket America and don't talk about UFOs because we're afraid that it's a mass hysteria thing and it's being used as a weapon against America. And, the, you know, height of the Cold War. So they, yeah. it was totally in their mind. It was the height of the Red Scare, too. So mm-hmm. that you're like paranoid. It's like take your Cold War paranoia and bump it up to 11. So, yeah. That's pretty frightening. It is time. frightening. The real monsters in this story are ourselves. Man. Yes. It's us. We're the <coughs> monsters. We were the real monsters the whole time. We were. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So, uh, this basically, this story ended up being like rated the number 11 story for all of 1952. Uh, and, you know, the other thing was all the UFOs and craziness over Washington, D.C. You know what's really interesting? Yeah. Um, have you guys heard of the movie called Planet 51? Negative. No. That's not surprising, considering that it was released on a weekend that I think like a Twilight film was released. I don't know, like a really big film was released at the same time that Planet 51 was released. And Dominic and I went, to, like, I don't know why we got it in our heads to like see this movie but we're just like let's go see this movie planet 51 it's an animated feature it looks pretty good so plant you want to do planet you said planet there it is okay planet 51 Dwayne the rock johnson is actually the star of this film oh i think i've seen this it's so cute but this is like kind of reminding me of this and so okay think this is kind of my theory so this it's this alien planet and they are in the 50s. They're experiencing their 50s and kind of like their own alien scare. Like their aliens are in their, their media and their culture. Sociological, psychological, theological implications that all apparently all civilizations experience in American 1950s at some point. Yep, yep, absolutely. And his, so he's a NASA, ast- he's, he's, he's a NASA astronaut and his spacecraft crash lands on this planet well they had the nasa had sent actually a little rover to this planet to make sure if like there's any life on this planet well turns out that the rover robot is like obsessed with rocks so all they thought that this planet was covered in was just rocks not 
actual green aliens and so but technically he's the alien because he's on their planet you know, anyways so that's that's a whole different thing but um i like how their dog looks like the xenomorph oh that's hilarious. yeah there's a lot of it's a it's such a good movie like there's so many like references to like other films and stuff in it but it's kind of reminded me of like their own scare and like the fact that it's 51 which is like you could say 51 52 is like the start of like the aliens that's why it's called planet 51 oh. <laughs> Plot also Area Fifty One. Oh, I just got it now. Okay. So, so that's why you know. Then it's it's this whole transformation for the planet to realize that, uh, you know, the alien isn't bad. It's actually you know he's actually beneficial, et cetera, et cetera. So then you get to eat their version of Reese's Pieces. He. I don't recall him really eating, but, like, his his adventure takes place over, like, the course of several days. But based off of this drawing of the the Flatwoods monster, um, the character, um, the astronaut in Planet 51, it's very similar. Like, it's very, like, because their alien monster was, like, a, was basically um, an astronaut with a big eyeball. And that was, like, that's how it. That's how he looked. So it's oh, kind of sure. like, like I wonder where what this alien actually was, you know. And you know, this is our interpretation of it, but really, it doesn't look anything like that. So, anyways, yeah, that, kind, of, kind of the whole all the artwork shows arms, but there's it's really probably antennas is what, right. what the actual people that saw it said. Right, right. So, so yeah. So it's just kind of interesting. The 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 correlations I can kind of see between the movie and then the Flatwoods monster. What do you guys think of the Barn Owl hypothesis? I think it's a really good one. And I and I'm pro alien, but do do you think I don't know, the so like the cuz Mothman has also been said that it could just be a barn owl and it was just like a timing of events. Well, we'll we'll get to that. I know, but I'm just I saying mean, I'm just kind of like I'm just kind of saying that we we this this crowd we this group we're not ready for high strangeness <laughs> <didn't> yet. <laughs> the weird the weird fucking shit like the guy landing his UFO next to your car while you're uh, parked by the the road and then asking for directions and then getting back into his UFO and flying away kind of like what they call high strangeness that comes in with and like men in black and plus the mothman plus the bridge clap mm-hmm. that's a whole thing we'll unpack but we're not ready for that yet we're warming up with flatwoods gotcha. and we'll we'll get to mothman okay well in that case um i think it's plausible that it could be a barn owl however based off of everyone's eyewitness account and the, all of the drawings from each of the individuals of what they saw, there's there's no way that it was an owl. I just don't think it, that it is an owl. I think it could be, but I don't think it is. Unless it flew at you with its wings tucked. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and sprayed oil. Yeah. And then when owls fly, I would... Well, I was about to say that they'd be moving too fast, but they don't fly like hawks. Right. Owls actually fly pretty slowly, yep. mm-hmm. and so that could give you the hover effect. So, I mean, it's it's a damn good theory if you're going to come up with a, a skeptical theory for it. Yeah, like I feel like that's that would be the skeptics. Like, I'm going to say it's like a whole yeah. concoction of wildlife of skunks and 
I don't know, octopi inking out of trees? <laughs> what's that? What's that uh... I don't think skunks have spaceship technology yet, though. Yeah, but they have the odor and the... Sure. What's that one, oh, uh, that fairy... Oh, t- it's not yeah. a fairy tale, but it's like it's like there's there's a there's a dog, there's a cat, there's a horse or a cow or whatever, and they all pile up on top of each other because they want to be musicians and they want to sing and they, like... And they're all awful singers, but they all sing together, like... It's like all these creatures like stacked up on top of each other, and they like they go around singing their song. Oh, I have to figure it out now. But um, I is it like maybe like that where these you know? No. Oh, you you think that like a bunch of it was a bunch of raccoons with a barn owl on top and a trench coat? Yeah, could have been like we could go like a wolf, a, a raccoon, an owl, and they all just want to be like pals and stuff. I get it. Protecting their turf and get that's, out of here. That's as probable as it being like an alien life form from another planet. That's so, I mean. true. I'll give you that. <sighs> now I gotta I look this up. This is gonna. That is not. I don't really have an answer. Like the metallic, like body thing, kind of throws me off because I don't know. I mean. Obviously, pretty much everything will glisten under the light of the moon. It's the musicians of Bremen. Sorry. I have never heard of that. You've never heard of it? I've never heard oh of it. Oh my god, I grew up with this. Um, it's a popular fairy tale retrieved and recorded by the Brothers Grimm. It was first published in blah blah blah. It tells the story of four aging domestic animals who, after a lifetime of hard work, are neglected and mistreated by their former masters. Eventually, they decide to run away and become town musicians in the city of Bremen. Contrary to the story's title, the characters never arrive in Bremen. Oh, that's sad. And as they succeed <laughs> in tricking and scaring off a band of robbers, capturing their spoils and moving into their house. So there's a there's like a picture. It's it's basically it's a donkey, a dog. Is that a monkey? No, it's a cat. It's a cat. And then a rooster. So they're all like eight. See, I thought this was like an animated movie you were describing. No, 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 no. no. This it's is an actual a, Grimm's. It's a Brothers Grimm it's a Brothers fairy Grimm's. tale. Yeah, yeah. Damn. I okay. used to read all those stories. My, my, my mom had like these like massive books of the Grimm's stories. So sure. we, I grew up reading those. So that's why I'm wondering, Travis, of what you were trying to get at earlier about like the, the animals like all stacked up on top of each other. No, but that's interesting though. Well, now you know about a story that you. All right. <laughs> You're just a buzzkill tonight. <laughs> so, okay. So, one guy said that it was a meteor. Is what they seen. Yeah. And another guy said it was the airplane beacon So, tower. There's, a, there's an airplane beacon tower that's shining a red light. Yes. And that okay. can produce the, the shining, pulsing Orb red. Orb thing. Yeah. But wouldn't that require power? Like, that, unless the whole tower just fell over? Well, I don't think it's that the tower fell over. It's kind of those it's those big right. ones where it's just it's casting red light. Oh, okay. In that direction. I got you. And then wouldn't this be duplicatable though? You know what I mean? If it's if it was something so basic, you could at least duplicate that right. light. At least the light. So, but, if even if it was a meteor, it would be actually documented somewhere. And then is there like we sh- we should really research like the weather conditions of that time? If it was super windy, like, anything could have just been hurling through the air. Like, there could have been a tornado and just thrown, like... But they said it was a red glowing object hurling through the sky, and then that crash landed on... So it could have been that beacon reflecting off uh, debris from a tornado, like, barn aluminum or tin, rippled barn tin. But it's 20 feet long. Yeah, but there's no depth perception in the dark. Well, I can't. I can't say yes or no to that. I don't know about that. I don't think so. I think there is. 
I think there is. I mean, otherwise pilots wouldn't be able to do shit in the dark. Well, you know what I mean? Like you, GPS, yeah. and they know if they're gonna hit something. But I mean, they have the horizon and all that. Yeah, but I mean, before that, I mean, they didn't. No, they just ran into stuff all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like putting a white dot. Uh, but I mean, like, you have depth perception in the dark. Put a dot on a white piece of paper or surround yourself in a white room. You really don't know how big the dot is. Is it small and far away or is it small and up close? I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Sure, sure. So, and then put that reflecting light off, but you really don't know how far it is, so you don't know how big it is. But when they got to the site, though, that's when they saw the size of it. They think. Maybe they're like, it's really far away, but it's like four f- inches from their nose. Gotcha. Gotcha. I don't know. What about the leak? The, the oil Yeah, stuff? the oil. Man, that was a whole truck that got hurled through the air, and that's what they seen, <laughs> and the hazards were on. And it, it sounded like Will Smith when he's, like, coming up with his his version of the Neuralizer, like, the backstories for, like, that's what, what you saw was some swamp gads <laughs> coming off Venus. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. He knows what's up. There you go. So... I don't know. There's, I don't know. I know it's hard. It's hard to be Life skeptic. is hard. <laughs> I don't really know about this alien dude just because it looks so like unlike any other alien depicted. Yeah, it's yeah. very unique. Mm-hmm. And it's weird that everything we've seen or read or watched has been like an iconic alien. I'm like, I ain't never seen nothing like this. Yeah, because even when they were talking about the hood. And, you know, what I was reading, I was like, I I wasn't picturing that. I was p- picturing the classic, like, gray man. Yeah. Yep. That's that's why I, I picked this one, was because yeah. I was like, this is uh, uh, unique. Because it's like, we can get so in the weeds on so many different UFO encounter stories and oh, stuff yeah. like that. But this one, this one's a good one just because it's, you know, especially like with the, it's not a classic abduction scenario. It's not a... This could be like a whole astronaut farmer story. Yeah. I mean, some dude just making stuff. It's it's just weird. It could be, absolutely. I, okay, I think the, what was that, the National Guard guy was probably making some astronaut farmer stuff, didn't want to be accountable for it, and like, I don't know what this is, kids, you need to go check that out. And then he pretends then, to be afraid and like run away. Exactly, like, y'all need to get out of here so I can hide this thing. Right. So then he actually circles back. And hides the shit. Yep. Gotcha. I can see and that. And he might have soiled the missus dress. But then how how uh, <laughs> how does somebody has a tattoo of this shit? Oh my god. Um, <laughs> how do you explain though the object flying through the sky? It was a kite. It was a it was a kite. It was just a big ass kite. Yeah. Big ass red glowing kite. Kite. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. It was. I don't know. That's fine. You don't have to know. We, I don't know either. I, That's what I, this is all about. We need to know. We need we to get to the bottom. I like that drawing the best. This is this is the one that w- looks like it's the most accurate to what was actually described. Yes. So everyone else is trying to put freaking arms on him, and yes. there were no freaking arms. Just antennae. So the hissing noise was obviously like the propulsion system. I don't think it actually hissed at people. I think it was just the propulsion system to make it hover and go after the people. Sure, sure. So that's solved. That's done. <laughs> we solved the mystery. Case closed. Moving up. <laughs> solved the mystery of the hissing noise. We're all going to pat and ourselves in the back and head home. I don't know. See? People are trying to ship them. 
You can't ship. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> Their chromosomes don't even probably match. They can't, like, you know. And would it be funny if the the Flatwoods monster or the Mothman are real? And they're like, well, that's total bullshit. There's no such thing as a, you know, the other thing. And then they, like, do meet each other and, like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> they're like, mind blown. Yes. <laughs> You're real. I thought you were fake. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yep. Yeah, this is it's I I'm just I'm just amazed at how many eyewitnesses there were and how they all just kind of trotted along for the adventure and then they got like way more than the, what they bargained for. I don't think that I mean, okay, so we're linking that 11-minute video, right? Oh, yeah. For people to watch. So it was very detailed as, like, times and, like, what dogs were there. <laughs> which seems a little forced to me to have that information. I don't think so because it's part of the events. It's it's important to note that, yes, there were two dogs there. And yeah. this is the behavior of the animals I, I at the time. I think it's it's because it was investigated sincerely. So you have police style, like, just the facts, ma'am. Okay, at this time, this person did this thing this person did this thing in 1952 how many people actually had a clock readily available out on the farm okay a but watch if, yeah well they yeah there's Perfect. watches yeah everybody has watches everybody except the kids okay but mrs may that's her name right may yeah. and lemon they probably definitely had a watch on them. i suppose he might have because she needs to know when shit goes down like yeah. bedtimes and stuff like that she, she just senses that. That's a mother's sense. Aw, the Mothman's giving her a little gift. That's so sweet. Aww. We're not going to talk about the Mothman today. Yeah. Yeah. Robert. Yeah, okay. he gave me the rule. Well, we, can, <laughs> we can allude to their relationship a little bit. It, we can, yeah. I'm really interested in what the fanfic looks like for Mothman <laughs> and the Flatwoods monster. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, Super interesting. I, Did you fight some? No, I. I, I just, I just think the concept that we human beings like, maybe we're that planet. You know, they fly by it. Oh, that's the planet where they're all like, who's fucking who and what's fucking what, and they're just like totally obsessed with reproduction, and they're just like they just they'll just like put anything in a relationship. Those those apes down there, they're fucking crazy, literally. Literally, all the time. Yes. Like, now let's continue to reproduce via molting or something like yeah. that. <laughs> Asexual reproduction. Yep. Yes. Oh my god. So yeah, that is the the Flatwoods monster, and uh, yeah, I, I don't get I don't, it. I don't think we've. Yeah, it's obviously there's some of these where we're not gonna. No, I don't have I don't have a strong opinion on this one as far as like oh it was definitely fake or it was definitely real and that's why I pick these the the ambiguous ones that gotcha. are hard to tell. I think this is one that was just a good weird topic to because probably not a lot of people know about it. Yeah, Honestly. it's very popular in like West Virginia, Pennsylvania, kind of that that yeah. area, and they're like their local folklore. Right. But yeah, I had not heard of this until I really started getting into these like paranormal investigations. Like, and even then, for as unique as the alien is, you, I feel like you do not see a lot about this particular encounter. Yeah. Which is 
Yeah, weird, because I, I think they'd be jumping at a chance to talk about one that isn't a gray, you know? Right, right. Well, I don't know. I think people, there may be a general consensus about West Virginia is that they're all kind of crazy anyways, and so... See, and that's that's unfortunate. But and that, it was and also in the 50s, so this is like a long time ago for yep. a lot of people. Uh, but... You know, the whole West Virginia thing, that's a very real factor. Yes. Because that uh, that Kirkwood incident with the little goblin aliens that mm-hmm. we're going to talk about, um, that one takes place, I'm pretty sure, in West Virginia, or, like, not far from here. Right. And uh, that uh, that was a big part of it, was that the they were like, oh, it's drunken hillbillies in the Appalachians. So it's mm-hmm. kind of the, like, a lot oh, of the, sure. like, consensus yeah. of city people at the time, and yep. why it didn't get as much play as literally people like exchanging gunfire with aliens mm-hmm, should be mm-hmm. that kind of story um but uh you know with with that one that and i think it's funny that they had to note that actually they were all visiting their mom's house and that's where this happened yes. so none of them were drinking because mm-hmm. they didn't mother didn't allow alcohol in the house right. so it's just like but the fact that they even had to to say that say it's that. just like okay that's the because that's your stereotype and that's what your average Joe Blow politically incorrect man on the street in the 50s is thinking about a bunch of guys from West Virginia. Exactly. I actually have a lot of family in the West Virginia and Pennsylvania area. Oh. Like that's where my family originates I'm glad from. I was guarded about you <laughs> know, no, 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 no. Out the insults. Nope, you're fine. It's totally fine. I don't know them personally. I know a couple of them but not all of them. So but I could ask a few of them about you know, and they're just going to be like. I mean, so I was. You haven't afraid... talked to us in our entire lives, <laughs> and also you come out of the woodwork to ask us about the freaking Flatwoods monster. We're part of the estranged branch of the family that like moved away because of a family dynastic struggle. Well, so okay, so here it is. My great grandfather, um, his mom got with this guy. We'll call him Tom. Okay. So, this was in, like, 1912. They slept together out of wedlock and ended up, she ended up pregnant with my great-grandfather. Well, then, Tom decides that he doesn't like my my great-great-grandmother, and, but he sure likes her sister, so... Oh, snap. So, he ends up marrying her sister, that bitch, by the way, and they end up having, like, seven kids together. Meanwhile, my great-great-grandmother remarries another guy, and they have seven kids together. So, my great-grandfather now has 14 half-siblings, but because it was kind of taboo at the time for someone to have a baby out of wedlock, my great 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 grandparents so basically we'll call her grandma melissa we'll say her parents adopted my great grandfather and basically included him on the census and said that he was their son and just kind of treated him like their son yeah so um so yeah there's a lot of like that's that's whole that's that whole family that lives up in pennsylvania and um there's like a fuck ton of them, and he got tired, I guess, of be the way he was being treated in the community and everything, and ended up moving out west. You right there? Yeah. yeah. Was that a uh, bug? Was that that bug? That bug. Yep. You do you need do you need a minute? Nope, we're fine. 
Power through. Okay. All right. So, anyways, so he moved out west and then ended up in South Dakota. And so we're that branch of the family that made it out this far. Otherwise, the majority of them are kind of in that area still. And so, show in that area is like, like a Johnson or a Smith, you know? Yeah. So there's just so many. And every year they have a family reunion, and the and a church actually dedicated one of their outdoor pavilions to our family. Aww. Yeah, kind of sweet. Because we show up that the third week or like the second week of August every year, so they were like, might as well just name it after the show family. Might as well. <laughs> They're going to show up anyways. Uh, I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so... Maybe I can ask my, one of my distant cousins about this. So if you ever have say. your own show, will it be the Ari Show show? Okay, well, funny story. So I'm actually launching a show right now. <laughs> and I told my brother I was changing uh, my my online presence from Ari Show to Ari Nicole. And I'm having a, and I'm actually producing a show. And my brother was like, aren't you afraid that Dad's going to um, be upset about forsaking the family name or some bullshit? He's just bullshitting me. Right. And I'm like... No, like, because he won't care, but, sec- but, you know, second of all, like, literally, my show will be called The Airy Nicole Show. So, I'm still, like, my last name is still in there. <laughs> it's just so not as obvious. So, you get a little inside track. You've got a, got a show cooking up that's, that's coming uh, up? Yeah, actually, okay. it was, I was going to hold on to it, into, and we're going to launch it in August. Okay. So, yeah. So, that when this, actually, when this comes out, it'll be... Oh, know, well, like, then that's perfect. So, I'm not, like... I'm like, oh, I just realized I just let it let it loose, but yeah. So yeah, so that's kind of my thing that's going on right now, and uh, we'll see how it goes. And uh, that'll be strictly on YouTube. Very cool, Travis. I know you've got uh, something that'll be cooking up in October. I think I do. Okay. I think I do. Interesting. I don't know. What are you referring to? Uh. Magician Among the Spirits? Yeah, there you go. I okay. just wanted you to call it out, not me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I actually have three somethings because it'll have three dates. Yep. Uh, so it's pretty cool. Uh, it's kind of just a live tribute to Harry Houdini. Uh, I'm trying to avoid using the word magic show because it's not really a magic show. It's more of an experience, uh, storytelling adventure, research, uh, kind of going through his research. An interactive experience. It is. And the thing that I'm really most excited about is every show is going to be different because the audience decides the outcome. Whoa. Oh. Yeah, so that's going to be... You didn't say that. Uh, well, I can't spill all the beans. Got to hold on to some, as you said. <sighs> yeah. Because um, we're trying to decide what weekend we want to go. Yeah, so you might as well come to all of them because they're all going to be different. God damn it, Travis. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> For the most part, they'll all be the same, but it's going to be heavily involved with the audience and the storytelling. And uh, to kind of give you a glimpse of how that's going to happen is Houdini focused a lot on spiritualism, medium, psychic, stuff like that during his later part of his life. And as I'm not a person who can do those things, we're going to recreate a moment that the audience comes up with on the fly of a date, a time, an event, what happened to who how to happen, and then perform that as a medium experiment. Interesting. Hmm. Cool. Sounds very cool. Yeah. Keep keep us here at Macabre Grimoire posted. And Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So that sounds fun. And me, I'm up to my usual podcast hijinks and misadventures, so be sure to check all those out at thesueempire.com. Uh, let's see. Anything else on the Flatwoods Monster? Going once, going twice. I'm I good. Think, I think we've covered it. Um, 
well as much as you can because it's just a big question mark but uh, if you want to want to follow our misadventures be sure to check us out on patreon and also uh once again we always appreciate uh your reviews be sure to send us your scary stories and paranormal stuff uh we'd love to talk to you about them uh yeah and thank you so much for listening and we will see you all next time macabre grimoire is a production of the SueEmpire.com. Learn more at macabregrimoire.com. Last night in bed.